0: This is Tony Todd, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters
1: podcast. Be, be, be happy. Hey, I'm excited. Know. I'm sorry, I picked this topic. I love this movie.
2: That's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I
1: gotta tell you,
0: something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked.
1: So, I mean, that's kind of that's debatable. But I mean, it's a great movie. That you know,
2: I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed.
0: But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now, is that on so many pages, <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then, I mean, it, it's, it's almost inevitable that, uh, you know, half the time we're going to go, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you are out of your mind. I'm sorry, man. Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now, here are your hosts... Good evening ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another enthralling episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. We're kicking it to you live from Muncie, Indiana tonight. I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by my dudes, Professor Wagstaff. So good to be here with you tonight, friends, up in Muncie, Indiana. We've enjoyed a fine night of dining on wings at Savage's Ale House, and now we're just having some drinks back at... Casa de Amner. Oh,
1: I like that.
0: So. You should get that on YouTube. <laughs> hey, tonight we are wanting to talk about a little trilogy. Yeah. And it may not be a trilogy for much longer. They may be talking about doing a, a fourth one. Yeah, it, yeah. The rumors keep coming up, but uh, no fruition yet. Uh, we want to talk about Candyman, Candyman. this evening. Um, let's talk about some initial thoughts about Candyman. Uh, Mad Chan about the trilogy as a whole... Just the first time you saw it versus um, how you felt about it this time around.
1: Okay, so I remember seeing it earlier on uh, when I was younger and being enthralled with it. I I thought the bees were really cool early on. You know, I thought the bees were really cool. I didn't get the gist of what the story was. I just knew it was kind of like this thing that we used to do called Bloody Mary. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, they've taken the whole, you know... (laughs) chicken and egg, but I was like, oh, they've taken the old Bloody Mary thing and turned it into a movie, you know, and uh, I kind of thought that was real neat, Um, the guy with the hook for the hand was cool, I thought it was a neat twist, Uh, I have always enjoyed the Candyman, and especially after meeting and talking to the Candyman himself, he makes you enjoy the movies even more.
2: Totally, totally. Professor?
1: Um, I would
2: put the first one in my top 20 of all time. OK, um, if, if not closer to my top 10. Oh, really? Um, I love it. And I, w- I will say this full disclosure. I was supremely disappointed with this movie as a child.
1: Oh, OK. Um,
2: yeah. It was part of, you know, the, with the video age and going to the rental store. Um, and at a younger age, the idea of an urban myth and kind of that folklore around it mixed with all of this, the gratuitous sequels that I'd come to known in modern horror. I thought that Candyman would be much more gratuitous and explicit, Right. that it would be much more fun yeah, for um, yeah. a younger person. Um, so I had this kind of stigma even all the way up into college where I just kind of thought of that movie as a letdown until I rewatched it. And <laughs> it's like the ultimate 180 for me Yeah. here in the last 10 years or so. I've, I've just grown to absolutely love it. And I liked Clive Barker even as a kid with reading like The Thief of Always. And there's other things that we'll go into in other episodes dealing more with Clive Barker, but this was just another extension of that um, with kind of the fantasy that draws the horror out, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, but for me, just a big turnaround, and it's you know grown into one of my all-time favorites. The first one, cool, cool.
0: Um, I saw. I didn't see Candyman 1 as a kid. And it's interesting the point that you bring up, that it was disappointing to you as a kid. I found that a lot of people who saw this as a kid liked it better than people who saw it for the first time as an adult. Hmm. Uh, because it just, the nostalgia I, of agree it with that. stuck with them more. Um, I only saw this for the first time 10 years ago. I was living with uh, Joe Barker. Cheese, cheese, extra cheese. <laughs> and um, he, we watched it. Like I got it out of the $5 bin at Walmart.
1: Give me, quick, give me your best Joe Barker. <laughs>
0: Uh, 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 tree cheese, extra cheese, old Jarker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Joe. I
0: won't take a personal day because it's
1: personal. <laughs> he says I'm the funniest stuff I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> so we watched it for the first time and I was really disappointed because it was like this icon. You know, mm. it's Tony Todd. It's Candyman. Right, 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 right. And I watched it and I was like, what is this? Like I was expecting some
2: fun slasher. Right. And that's what I expected as a right. youth. And I real quick just I know we'll go more into this but just to add to that I think part of that is because and we'll discuss this it's a very intelligent film and there was much more to it that at an age of you know 10 11 12 years old I'm not picking that up no I'm expecting a stalking scary monster and certainly image wise there's plenty scary in there even for a kid but
1: the you know that. yeah again for this for this podcast. I picked up on stuff now that I didn't even think about back then. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll bring those, I'll say those specifically, but it's, it was, it was kind of neat to, yeah. to look at it from a different angle. So,
2: uh, yeah. One last thing for opening. I was absolutely dreading recording this. Like, like was long, it? Was it? long before even the idea of recording it had been thrown around just in conversations that we'd had in groups. Yeah. Um, and this is including many people who aren't sitting at this table that just didn't like the movie. And I felt Crazy. I'm like, am I pretentious for liking this? Like, <laughs> no one else is liking it. Something else. But, you know, we all rewatch things. We all form opinions as we go. and
1: Yeah, and that's something to think I'm about. I'm excited
2: that. to talk about it.
1: The professor just brought up something. If you listen to an episode from, let's say, two years ago where we talk about a movie, it, our opinions on those things change. They're ever-changing. Right. They're never just going to be the same. They're like, our top five list... If you ask me now, it's completely different than it was before because we have those things.
0: Well, and a classic example here is if you go back to like some of our very first episodes yeah. and we list our favorite movies, a lot of us talk about how much we love how, or, um, Friday the 13th Part 3 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how much we've all changed
1: on, Oh yeah, on yeah. Friday Friday changes movies we love. Like. That would be
0: towards the bottom now. Yeah,
1: because you're a Part 6 guy right now, mm-hmm. and I love the 2009. Yeah. even more, more than i've liked any of the rest of them i like the do you know what though I, and
2: i'm a total mark for part four now yeah right on. and i think that's an important part to really <clears throat> kind of call out and clarify i know it's really not specific to Candyman, but for horror fans it's okay to change your mind that's oh, definitely, part of being man. a fan is continually watching these things and appreciating them from different angles and exactly. perspectives perfect example for me texas chainsaw 2 i've ripped on that movie historically oh, yeah. and i've just over time, it's just not allowed me. It seems to no, do that. It's no, just it like seeps in. Yeah, it's that like no, proper, you like it
1: seeps into the back of your head with them dual chainsaws. And yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and I want to dig that even deeper. Yeah. because um, I talk about that theologically. You know, we've talked about on the show before how I'm I'm a pastor and I'm into these things and like right. for me the way that your theology changes over your life and yeah. the way that you encounter spiritual texts no matter what religion you are or what your philosophy is right, right, like right. those things will evolve over time and they will speak to you differently a good piece of literature will speak to you differently a good piece of music will speak to you differently mm-hmm. that's the beauty of art and philosophy and literature is that like these things that as you change in life as your journey progresses what speaks to you will change and Certainly. that's the beauty, especially of the horror genre. Yeah. Obviously, we're here to talk about the horror genre. The right. beauty, specifically of the horror genre, is your fears will change.
1: Yeah, man. And things, what
0: touches you will change.
1: Things I didn't even think about ten years ago, like now, like being a father and being older. Yes. Like I watch, like child, anything that harms children now is, even though I, I know it's fantasy violence, like anything that has to do with that, I, I it hits me a, a lot harder now. Or the or the loss of a protected. the loss of a. Um, a Oh, a spouse or a, right. a significant other of any kind or a parent. Right. Like, like 10 years ago, I was just like, oh, her dad died. And now I'm just like, oh, my God. It just, right. everything affects me differently now. Totally. And I've, I've seen that as we progress, especially as we're going through this, because the the type of movies we watch, we're always picking something new. We mm-hmm. we very rarely do we cover a movie twice, you know, some instances. But, I mean, we don't do that. Right. So watching new things that I've watched before, I'm like, man, this is. It's weird.
0: And to tie it all back into Candyman, I started this by saying I didn't like it at all the first time I watched it. I thought it was stupid. Right. I just watched it last week for the second time ever in my life. Right. And I
2: loved it. See,
1: there yes. you go. There you go. That's so, that's awesome. so I think. It worked that, out good for you. Yes. I Can I just say, it was uh,
2: shameful how excited I was at your Facebook post. commentary <laughs> on uh, social media where people were talking about it with you and you, and you basically said that. I. It was shameful. I, I almost did a, a damn dance <laughs> on my laptop when I read it. I was like, yes, it's not going to be infuriating and painful <laughs> to
0: record. So that being Good said, right. let's launch into the first Candyman film. Mad Chan, you are our specifics guy. Tell us the specs.
1: Candyman, 1992, directed and written by Bernard Rose based on the story, a short story by Clive Barker called The Forbidden. Um, starring Virginia Madsen who plays Helen, our lead character? Um, Xander Berkeley plays Trevor. Uh, Cassie Lemons plays Bernie, and of course, the Candyman, whose name we're, we're, I'm not gonna—we'll get to that later. But the Candyman is played by Tony Todd. We mm. get a little bit of the backstory, but it becomes more prevalent in later films. Right. And I guess we've kind of already talked about initial initial thoughts. On yeah. That so
0: Can, go ahead. Let's let's just give some quick just shout outs to Tony Todd here.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely.
0: I mean, Tony Every Todd, time. just a legend of the genre. Yeah. Um, when any time that we've ever been in the presence of Tony Todd, just a total gentleman.
1: Oh, definitely. A, a, a
0: gentleman and a scholar. Yeah. Let's be honest. The, so guy, is, as a the guy is brilliant. Um, grew up in New England. I can't remember where. Connecticut? I
1: think so. I think I
0: Connecticut. Remember. But just uh, theater trained. Uh, just yeah. a brilliant guy.
1: And if you guys have listened to our uh, Tony Todd from the – what was it uh days Chicago. of, Chicago, yeah, days of Chicago not this past year but the 20, year before 2014 14, yeah. yeah if you guys listen to our Tony Todd interview there we kind of go in and we surprise him with how much we know about him at the time because we're talking about Cabrini Green we're talking about his one-man shows we're talking about all this Night and the guy the man went out of his way and he set this up with us <laughs> yes. he he called us over like Tony Todd a quick but yeah, go ahead. Can I give a quick <laughs> yeah, yeah, recap? Please.
0: Quick recap: We're walking around in our Midwest monsters gear, and and we try to set up interviews ahead of time. Right. Uh, definitely more so, uh, uh, Professor and and Mad Chan right. um, have done this a lot more than I have. And we're just walking through, and it's so funny because it's Friday night, and we're not trying to do anything Friday night. We right. know they're busy. We're not trying to mess with them at all. Any any celebrities, we're just typically these guys connect with them on Sundays. Yeah, it's we do, so we do slow. things on the last day of right, and so we're just walking through, and like we're not expecting anything. And so me and Mad Chan have got a pretty solid buzz going. on. <laughs> well, pardon me, I'm going to this here no, real quick.
1: Truth, and it was so weird because <laughs> that was our thinking: is we're like, man, we're we're gonna go ahead because we do things on Sundays. We're gonna go ahead and talk to some people, but we're gonna go ahead and drink and we're gonna and have just a good time fun. and just be have fun on a friday night and, and tony todd ruins that <laughs>
0: and so we're cruising through we're cruising through and when our midwest monsters uh, uh best or cuts yep, if yep, you cut, will uh, cut those cut of off. you who have been around us much and we're walking through and tony todd is slow and he looks at us and he goes what's midwest monsters you guys come here come what's here a, what's come midwest here. monsters and
1: listen when a six foot whatever eight nine ten seven foot man i mean
0: with a deep voice yeah.
1: Yeah, when <laughs> he's what, is, seven what, is, what is what is right, what right, are you, like, what are you guys what is the Midwest monster? Right, and don't forget that in. Mad <laughs> Chan and
0: I are like 62 and 64 respectively. <laughs> and so this guy towers over us. He's like get over here. We're like, "Yes, sir."
1: Yes, sir. <laughs> That's all we he can says, do. What's the Midwest man monsters? Back in this, man.
0: And we're like, "Oh, we're a podcast. We do horror movies. We do interviews." And he's like, "Why have you interviewed me?"
1: <laughs> That's his <laughs> words. His exact words were, "Why don't you interview me?" And I was like, "Oh, um well, usually we try to get a hold of somebody who's affiliated with you and right. this and that. And he was like, I'm here now. We're like, he was like, oh, okay. And he's like, well, let's set it up for later this weekend. The Midwest Monsters are going to sit with Tony Todd. And we were like, yes, sir. So cut two, three beers and planning later. If Tony Todd says this, we're going to go on Sunday. Or if he's ready to go on Saturday, we're going to do this. Go again. What happens then?
0: We walk by again. His booth is just dead because it's the end of Friday night. Nothing's right. going on. Everyone, all the early crowd that comes through has already been there, and he goes, Hey, you guys, Midwest monsters, let's do this now. Exactly. And, like
1: completely off
0: guard. And so Chad and I have a moment like Craig from Friday, uh, where that girl asks Craig if he's high. He's like, and, and,
1: and like he, No. And he like
0: brushes his shirt off and he's like, Do I still look high?
1: Like me and Mad
0: Chan have got a buzz going on, and 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 uh, Mad Chan's wife Nicole is with us, and, and like we're, we're like handing
1: her shit. We're,
0: we're like hold our beers, hold our moonshine. Uh, we're like, do we look like we can interview Tony Todd right no. now?
1: <laughs> and he didn't care. He didn't care.
0: And we just we just had a great time. So
1: if you guys have never heard that, it's definitely worth a listen. Go back to the Days of the Dead 2014 episode and check that out. And it's about midway through, would you say, Professor? You yeah, shows?
2: Uh, two things we're leaving out oh, that God. I want to add. Uh, <laughs> one, yeah, we did talk it, about the it was an excellent interview. Props to you guys. It was one of the better ones we've had at a convention. He was fantastic. Oh, so he was great. Uh, great stories, great answers. Uh, and two, both of you, Son of a bitches, told him that I was scared <laughs> that I was scared of him as I was taking I pictures about, about ten that. feet back. I so when you guys say that to him, he like kind of looks and smiles and waves, and I'm obviously oblivious to it and just kinda <laughs> kinda give the okay wave back, like what the hell's going on? Come to find that. out, you guys talk so when he signed my Hatchet Two poster later that weekend, he put Midwest Monsters, Ryan, be brave. <laughs> I was like Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> love it.
1: Classic. Love it, oh right. man, what a dude. So let's let's go back around to nineteen ninety two with Bernard Rose and the story by Clive Barker on the Freedom.
0: Yeah.
1: Um just go ahead. Go ahead, Grace. Like get into this.
0: So this is a story. Uh it's 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 an urban legend story. Yes. Um and so you've got Virginia Madsen. Ellen, She's yes. she is a grad student. Married to a professor, she's right. working on her um, her PhD. I think her doctoral thesis, yes, right. and it's going to be on urban legends. And so they start interviewing people, and so um, people start telling the story of Candyman. Right. And Candyman is a a, a, a mix of Bloody Mary, of the Hookman legend. Right. Right. Um, and so you've got the this amalgamation coming together.
1: Right. And let's we need to point out that Candyman, the Candyman story takes place in Cabrini Green. What is Which, Cabrini Green?
0: Cabrini Green is historically one of the worst projects in America. Uh, definitely one of the worst projects in Chicago. Probably the worst. Yeah. yeah. Is uh, it
1: still there? No. Nope, it's been demolished. You're, that's what, yeah.
0: I remember as a kid uh, seeing it from the highway one time and somebody pointing it out to me, and I was like, I never want to go there. <laughs> well, oh,
2: our friend Kevin, you, specifically yours, all through college, mm-hmm. um, and his situation, I remember him talking about having a duck. As oh. they drove past. Oh it. yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, as a kid on the school bus, a yep. uh, good friend Kevin McCaffrey. He's a great stand-up comedian. Check him out. Um, yeah, yeah I, he he grew up in Chicago, and yeah that that sometimes they'd have to drive near there on field trips and his school bus, and they would, they would wild. make the kids duck on the school bus when they drove wow. by. Wow, that's legit. Is that bad? As
1: to not get shot?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, my and I took uh, different subsidy courses for Section Eight housing and other things in mm-hmm. college, and we watched a documentary on that. And I mean, just yes, specifically on Cabrini Green and the violence was unbelievable to the point where most of this film is not filmed there. That is. Oh, yeah. That is mainly sets in the UK. Now, there's some but very minimal because even even during, you know, like the busiest times of the day, that was not safe for them to be there. Right. I mean, it's that rough. Like it's not overreacting through kind of this mythos of a rough place like it was legit that dangerous
0: yeah yeah and one of the most dangerous places in america which makes this movie all the more
2: interesting right right. yeah
0: and and like ultimately cabrini green is the ultimate story in our our breakdown as a culture and a society
1: Mm -hmm. right on yeah and see that's that's why i thought it was important that we mentioned it because it's not the the man the myth that lives there because it's the it's the place itself Mm -hmm. that would spawn this evil you know what i'm saying that would house it and nobody would think twice
0: now my question I've got to ask early yeah. on because I never really fully gathered this. Yes. As we talk about these films, the first one's Chicago. Yes. The second one is New Orleans. Yes. The third one is LA. East LA.
1: Specifically. Oh, my bad, yeah. No, no, no. I just, because it's that's a more different Hispanic. Culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. different
0: culture. What um, where specifically was Candyman's character. We'll talk about that whole story in a minute. Where did that take place?
1: Louisiana.
0: I thought so. Back okay. towards New Orleans. So the thing is, so even neater to me as a historian, as a urban myth guy, yeah, as yeah. all this sort of thing, is that I love that the story was carried north right. during that great migration after you know the Civil War yeah. of the, the freed people who came north to work in factories and yeah. then work in that industry over time. So that, that legend came north
2: with that culture. Right. And I'm not sure who's responsible for kind of spreading that out in the movie versions because this is originally set in the UK in Clive Barker's short story. Right, right. So, I mean, they really went to great lengths to make these movies better than they really get credit for a lot of times. I
1: think it would have to be, and I mean, it would have to be a Bernard Rose thing because Bernard Rose has that ability, like he likes to set things he likes to he likes to use set pieces do to, right. to help tell stories. Right. Right. So I mean I'm sure like Cabrini Green in the North was a, was a set piece for Bernard Rose. I can't speak for him obviously we don't know that. But I in researching I didn't find a whole lot. Right. About well why. I can't
2: remember which movie it's in but they do mention that it goes to the most dire areas of inner cities. Yes. Right. And which I think is a very important and interesting dynamic to these movies yeah. and, and why they're scary because of basically oppression for our original, you know, what ultimately becomes our bad scary in these rougher areas where people are being oppressed just right. in modern times in different ways. I mean, again, and we'll continue to just kind of
1: peel back these layers on yeah. really how damn
2: smart these movies are, especially the first two, especially the first one.
1: Yeah, right. yeah, the first one had a lot more going on in it than, let's say, the third. Oh,
2: well, yeah. 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 Yeah,
1: I know, but I mean, the way that the professor's breaking it down like the professor does. Like, the third one, But anyway, we're talking about the first one. Um, let's just hop right in real quick. I'm just going to th- go through some notes like I kind of do. Um, whatever the legend is wouldn't mess me up as much as the Bs. Adding the B factor to that legend, to the Candyman, messed me up, bro. Like, seriously, because bees are those things that you can't control. People, some people are allergic to them. It's that other bee smell, fear. Like, whatever you know about bees, like, that messed me up, especially in the mouth, on the face, mm-hmm. bees coming so out the chest. It's uh, Like, if you've ever been stung, like, truly stung, and you're halfway allergic and you swell up, you know what kind of pain you're in. Right. So, I like, the whole time, the, everything with the bees, throughout three films, I'm going to give it all three of them, the bees freak me out more so than Tony Todd because we met Tony Todd, but right. the bees freak me out more so than even he does. And the things <laughs> that the bees do. So I thought that was kind of that was kind of crazy. And the thing about Candyman, the original Candyman, is um, we don't see the Candyman. One, two, three. <laughs> I gotta calm down with that word. We don't see the the man himself. To 43 minutes and 36 seconds. Which is an important part. Into the movie. Exactly. That's
2: important on why this film is so good. Exactly. Let me just say this. How chilling is it? And you may have been alluding to that. If so, I'm sorry. No, 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 you're fine. No. How chilling is it when we've built up this kind of persona and the idea of him. But in the flesh, in the parking garage, we share Helen. And it's like oh shit <laughs> what we're not certain of is now right in front of us exactly. from a long time ago that's so scary
1: exactly dude. to
0: this day i was watching a panel with virginia madsen if she is parked in a parking garage for an event she's escorted out
2: no shit for real because
0: people have fucked with her in the past. Oh, oh, wow. Like, people will hide out and be like, Helen. And she's like, seriously, no. We're not doing this. Hey, yeah.
1: dude, no, really, though. If you did that to me, I think I'd still be scared because of the words. I mean, I, I we know that she's like, people mess with me, but seriously. Right. I bet there's a lot more than that going on with that. Psych- psychologically. Oh, yeah. That has to play a little more than just, oh, I wish they would leave me alone. Because you hear that so many times. Like, right now, I get chills when he does it. Yeah. It's great. so it's, it's such a it's like, great oh, it's scene. Oh,
0: so great, man. So stepping it back, yeah, uh, go ahead and do what uh, you know, got and I, No, and I'm fine. We weren't, we weren't. I think we were going in great places. Um, just trying to just finishing up here that that intro. So they're doing the story, and we we've learned this myth of this candy. Man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so she really starts to dive into
1: it, mm-hmm. and
0: um, she takes her friend, and they go to Cabrini Green. Yep. And uh, I love too that they think they're going to get the upper hand on this other professor, this mm-hmm. real cocky British guy. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, oh we'll candy. bury you." Yeah, what they say we'll dude. bury you, and he's like, "Oh, you mean Candyman? Let me tell you all ah, about Candyman." Nice ponytail. Dude. Yeah, he's got an awful ponytail, and he does a great job of breaking down Is the whole. Is that the story. guy from Part Two? Yes, the guy from the beginning I, th- of I, I thought
1: so. Okay, we're good. We're good.
0: Um, he breaks down the whole the whole mythos of Candyman—that yeah. he was a freedman in the South. And that his dad was a wealthier guy. Yep. Um, and that his his flaw was that he was a painter and he painted the, the daughter of a wealthy plantation owner and right. fell in love with her. And that's all we know in this film. They fell right, in love. Right, right, right. And then, you know, they they chopped off his hand so he couldn't paint anymore. Now, here's the overkill. Why chop off his hand when you go let him get killed to death by bees? Yeah.
1: So the only thing I can think of is is in his last his one ray of hope if you make it out of this alive you're never going to be able to do the one thing you love right so that's the only thing i can think of right a hand and then they- because that would make sense to me they're like we're going to take this away from you and we don't i don't know if. like we know now that a flock of bees or whatever a large group of bees could kill people i don't know how in the time period readily available saying, that yeah. was, or if you even thought that many bees would come. Right. So, I mean, maybe it was, Oh, maybe it was more of a torture technique than a, we're going to kill you this way technique. Right. So I don't know. That's the way I always took it was maybe they didn't know that the bees would kill him, mm-hmm. but the, the cutting off of the hand was we've taken away the one thing that you love. Yep. And he just so happens to die from it. Right. So that's the way I always totally. Took it. So, so,
0: you get the legend, right. um, which is great uh, because I love a good legend and a good origin story. So they go to Cabrini green and they're just going to prove that it's just murders. You know, that's what they're trying to do, that there's no, right. that, there's no merit to it. You know, that this girl, the lady that was killed by Candyman, is not true. You know, that it was a guy who kept breaking through the mirrors and the projects. Yeah. because The mirrors opened. In yeah. The, the, the mirrors led apartments. from the
1: back into the apartments. Yeah. I like that. That was a good. That was a good twist.
0: And so they they keep screwing around, and they they have to deal with the Candyman, but he's not the legend. They have to deal with the drug dealer. Oh,
1: dude, the thing in the oh the bathroom. Oh my! Well, goodness. I feel like
0: this is an important part of the story. Yeah, it I is mean, because it's. I mean, it's penultimate. I mean, the the Candyman is the drug dealer, the guy who dresses and looks like Tony Todd, but is not Tony Todd. And they beat her up. Well, she files a report with the police. They arrest the guy, and she says boom, I have just proven that there was no Candyman. There's no sweets to the sweet. It was this guy all along, and they're the ones who murdered the other girl. Enter the real Candyman yep. in the parking garage, Right? because ultimately...
2: It's way more jolting.
0: Yes, it's way more jolting, and he comes around, and to me, it was very, before it's time, it was, it was New Nightmare. It was Freddy versus Jason. Freddie comes around in those movies because people have forgotten the legend. They forgot about me. How am I supposed to get my victims if they forget about who I am? And that's why he comes to Helen in the beginning. Right. But then we find out ultimately why he's after Helen. Right. But originally, you know, you took my legend away from me. You took my victims away
1: from me. The people who were scared of me.
2: Diminished all the pain and anger. Yeah. You're you're saying, you're saying, exactly. You're
1: saying that, Everything I've ever done is, is, for, is not true. It's exactly. for nothing.
0: No, that's not the truth. So now you're going to ride with me on this. Yep. This movie's genius.
1: No, it really is. Um, there's one thing, like, I, I was talking earlier about how I see things differently as an adult than I saw before. And I got to bring something up, though, real quick. And, and I'm no, my by no means am I trying to diminish the movie. Um, who was watching the baby? How did the woman come home to find the dog's head chopped off and the baby gone? And a bloody white woman laying Mm -hmm. in the other room. That would take time. Who was watching the baby? Candyman. (laughs) No, no, no. That was the one thing that kind of got me this time, watching it again, was that was it. She comes busting in and Helen's in there with the baby. You know what I'm saying? Like Helen's made her way into this apartment. Something that was a dream before has now come to fruition. It's a reality. Who was watching the baby?
2: I want to tread lightly here. Maybe we're insinuating the dire situation in these housing projects.
1: That she left the baby home alone? Yes. Oh, no. And I'm just asking. So no, I, I no, don't no. know. It's a good I question you, to it was ask. Is just something weird as a, from a, my mm-hmm. standpoint? Like. I don't, because as how protective she was over the baby earlier, I don't see her leave. I didn't see this character leaving the baby alone, but you're right. Maybe it was a dire situation where she would go off to an eight hour work day and leave the baby alone. But it just seemed like the baby's gone now and we, the baby's whatever. So the, the baby's gone. But that's one of the things that really starts to get Helen in trouble. But right. my thing was who the fuck was supposed to be watching this baby? Like was the dog protecting the baby and feeding it and walking it and changing <laughs> shitty diapers no, and I'm not trying to be funny with it. It was just as a dad, as a father sir no, realistically, like ten years ago, I didn't care. Oh, I'm yeah. telling you I didn't care because it was a it it helped move the story along, but now watching it, I was like, man, like because uh, watching it with the wife, we both at the same time were like, who was watching the kid? Hey, who's watching these babies? Well, and the I think that one's watching the, the little, little one. <laughs>
2: This this goes kind of with the palpable fear that is with Cabrini Green. We have okay. kind of a, a dueling fear there that it yes. kind of it goes back into this where we're going into these people's homes in this area um, that that is just as scary in a way as an urban myth. Right. And then you can get into all kinds of balancing acts and comparisons where right. we spend our time being worried about you know saying a man's name five times in the mirror but look at the hell we're living in.
1: Right.
0: Right. And there's that's the next level of brilliance in this movie is the social commentary. Right. Well,
1: see, and I think that was my that was my reason for that. And I know my the thing I brought up was very minuscule in the whole arc of the film. Oh, but it was like certainly in, in, in the in the place that you would live in. And the the person that this woman seemed to be. You know, like she's trying to make something of herself. She doesn't want to be the statistic like everybody else. And she tells Helen. And I was just like, now where thugs are breaking into your house daily, you're going to leave a young child home alone. Because Candyman didn't kill anybody in the apartment. They they think Helen killed the dog. So that was my thing. I just don't, that was the one thing I couldn't fathom. And because I've never lived in impoverishment like that. So I, maybe I can't fathom
0: Well, and another those, thing those too, decisions. You yeah, know right, what i Most saying? can't write. And, and to think also about that commentary when she's like, Oh, what you come around here for? You want to tell them how bad we are Mm -hmm. about all the drugs we do, all the people we kill. But remember when she says, we don't get many white folks around here. Who's she looking at when she says it? She's not looking at Helen. Right. She's looking at her mixed friend that's there with her. I mean, there's so many things going on in this. And I I learned, I I, I didn't notice that until,
2: until. And all from a British gentleman. Yes. Who took a UK story and said, it'll be scarier in what's going on in chicago right now like and that was 20 years
1: hats off like just insanely better yeah so for you for those of you don't know the uk just i gotta point this out what professor's talking about it's not clive barker we're talking about guys we're talking about bernard rose right it's not clive barker it's not the guy who wrote the story it's the guy who made the movie right so because i know you some of you may be like clive barker clive no it's Bernard Rose. Bernard Rose is from the UK.
0: Right. So, as is Clyde Barker.
1: Well, as... A, but I'm just saying, right. like, this wasn't a... You know, this wasn't a, oh, set my story over there. It was like, no, I'm taking your story and putting it yeah. where it matters.
0: Yep. So, the baby goes missing. Right. And now... And this is after the... Well, this is, this is the transition from the parking garage scene. Right. Where Helen goes into a trance. Yeah. And now... So, I guess this is things that i was trying to understand so under this trance the baby goes missing and she does kill the dog or does candy man kill the dog see we don't know that yeah, we, we don't that. We, spe- i just want to know your seen. speculation
1: so since Candyman, in every other form in my opinion kills everybody else that we see Or we, we, because we watch him with the hook, always, most of the time through the back, sometimes on the over. We watch Candyman kill these other people. The first movie was the only movie where you wondered if Helen really did it under his spell. Right. I think Helen killed the dog under his spell. Okay.
2: That was my feeling, just to get the baby out of there. Yeah. The dog is creating a roadblock, for lack of a better term. Right. In the way, collateral damage, (laughs) Uh, getting the child out. Moving into yeah. the other location in a right in a kind of a blackout sense, and then we
1: know that it
0: is Helen that that stabs the mother,
1: right? Dude, the one thing I loved about this movie was we don't see any violence at all until the doctor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything is kind of aftermath. Everything's kind of hinted at. It, it's not a gory, bloody violent movie. It's kinda an aftermath movie. To right? my
2: disappointment as a eleven right, right. Like, year old. Right, it's bloody
1: pools yeah. here. It's this and that. We don't really get to see anybody get that stab, get that puncture, get that right aggression until the doctor. So I thought that was another thing that was brilliant in this part. Yeah. Was like we don't have That's to see, we awesome. don't have to it's spelled out. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to show you all the violence. Shit's violent. You yeah. know, like we're showing you the aftermath of violence. Right. Which,
2: off, on a side tangent, I think is, go ahead, go ahead. is partially why this movie is so effective and why so often Clive Barker struggles onto the screen. Uh, he is very fantasy-based. The things are very fantastic that we yeah. see. And within this, Rose managed to find delicate ways to approach it. He, You know, with the bees, for instance. That's classic Clive Barker. Um That he managed to get onto the screen in a very visual way Um, and with what you're talking about the very subtle approaches to showing the aftermath of things because with Clive Barker it's not historically with his writing it's not about spelling every single thing out in a typical way it is in terms of detail right right but it's in a very fantasy driven way and that's why he's so popular and. I think ultimately why this movie onto the screen works so well is because we don't take the typical approach to the the material right that on. we that we try and make it understated for basically the the majority of this film I mean we still have some very extreme moments and things that we see but for the most part as you say uh, quite effectively we show after the fact or we insinuate, we let your imagine do some of the directing for it, which is, as we know, always a good mark for horror films. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, why don't we... Let's pick up the pace a little bit, because okay, we've yeah, done a great job certainly. of laying the foundation. Yeah, okay, I got we've you. we laid you. the foundation. So basically, we start going into Helen's psychosis, supposedly, or Candyman's reality.
1: Yeah. So, I think... Um, Going into the later things, I think I think Candyman was real. I don't think Candyman was the was a figment of anything. I think I like to think it was more of a haunting, more of a possession type. Like she didn't believe in something, and now she believes. I don't think it's a medical thing as much as it was a supernatural thing. Totally right. And then the fact that Helen was who she is. Right. So I thoroughly enjoyed that because it came at the end. And we got so many movies like that today, like oh, long lost relative, long lost love, whatever it is. But this one fit.
0: Yes, I I I, I
1: I believe this one a little bit more. And that's what I
0: love. I was making the point earlier that Candy. I thought you know that Candyman came around because he didn't want to be forgotten, right? And he was going to use Helen as his tool to make sure he wasn't forgotten, right? And then here comes the spoiler: we find out that Helen looks just like the plantation owner's daughter yeah yeah that he was in love with and it was we find out as he tells her it was always you helen it was always you that's oh, the last that note lie. i have here it was it's, always, it was always you. you helen die with me
1: let's, let's go into the afterlife together and
0: let's live forever. forever as this legend let them be afraid of you as they are of me like that's when i was like Holy shit! This is brilliant. Yo, definitely,
1: definitely. I was
0: like, I was like, you know, I was coming around. I was like, this is good, this is good. And then when that happened, I was like,
2: oh uh,
1: my god. Oh yeah, No, well, and, this movie's
0: an The great
2: line that I've always held on to to apply to not just this, but you know, kind of urban myth with the the writings on the wall, the whispers in the classroom, just the buildup of that and the spell out of it. It's just great because you start putting it on a grander scale, which I think is what this movie really is is all about and what makes it great this is bigger than just a certain entity bothering someone and being scary this is huge this is grand it is is decadent in a way that we really don't see in a lot of horror films there's much more of an eroticism to the violence in a way that isn't lame you know what i mean yeah um and something else that we haven't uh, pointed out that I oh, do please. want to point on that I think is important. The first time this movie was seen in 1992 was five months after the riots in LA. Wow. Now
0: the Watts riots. Yeah, I just no. want to point this out. Watts is the 70s or the right. This yeah. is the LA. Uh,
1: no, riots. That, that, that's that's what I'm. Yeah, I, I, you I knew which one. I I meant. mean. I'm sorry. The yeah. the ones downtown At, yeah, after yeah, the OJ. Uh, yeah, yeah, burnt. yeah. That's the one um, I meant. Yeah, and yeah.
2: and I think that it is important to mention that this. You know, we always examine the climate of the world that we know when horror movies are coming out and how those are pertinent to what is being put onto the screen. Right. And I think this is is important. You know, I think we'd be making a mistake if we at least didn't mention it. I'm not trying to push buttons in any way. Mm -hmm. But the fact that this came out within a calendar year of the L.A. riots and all of the racial divide. Yeah. And we have a strong, sexual, scary black man swooping up and hurting white,
1: white females
2: woman. yeah i think that's important to note. Um, that was the
1: rodney king trial right the OJ,
2: the rodney Chris, yeah yeah rodney yeah. King. yeah yeah sorry. no no i just want to no, know we i want to make sure yeah, no, we're no, talking no. about the same thing yeah 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 no i
1: just i'm spot on, on. I'm yeah because
2: yeah. as soon as i said it i started thinking about the oj trial right. well no and school, i started thinking about that i was that. like no that
1: i can't i want not make sure I was wrong no i'm glad you mentioned it though that's yeah yeah
2: but I think that's important also in the climate of the country because uh, yeah yeah and and what we perceive as you know effective in terms of what people are thinking about and what they're watching because from all different angles whether it's empowering or scary or just r- relative to what is on your mind at the time I think that is an important part of this movie now in hindsight it doesn't make any make it any scarier or less scary now. Right. But I think it is important at least to
1: note kind of the, the times of when this came out. Oh, so, definitely. We're oh, absolutely. At, we're looking at a scary... Yeah, a scary... Uh, and let's say it, it was a scary black man who's stalking a white woman. Right. And because in a former life, they were lovers.
0: Right. You know, it's like a, a, and it's a haunted place. And it's still painting... Right. that even as accepted as it had become, it was still taboo. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. It's well, like,
0: this and, can't be. Uh,
2: yeah, my point is, too, it's just the divide have- in the country is still the same. It's still today. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it hasn't stopped. And right. so at the heart and the forefront of that, with, you know, people, uh, you know, killing each other, ultimately, over in Los Angeles, over, you know, oppression and angst and, and clashing, we have this story that in... in in a sense, dates back a mm-hmm. very long time. Right. And how the things are still relevant in today's society, which I think makes it all the more effective.
0: And now they're making biopics about rap groups
1: right? that were popular then. Yep. Yeah, Here we that are. That was a great movie. Did you watch it? <laughs> we're, getting old. we're getting old. Oh my old. god, I would have brought it. Why didn't you tell which me? Which one are you talking about? Straight Outta Compton. Uh, it's
2: I it's got some great stuff, but it's got some problems. I've seen, I've seen <laughs> it five times, son.
1: I love that movie. Hey, um, guys, let's do final thoughts on Candyman, the first one, because we need to move on and yeah. talk about these two sequels. Wrapping it up,
0: closing out with the uh, with the spoiler. Um, mm-hmm. Helen ultimately betrays Candyman. Yeah, definitely. And she's not going to live forever with him, which no. becomes a theme. But she goes in because she finds out that the baby is in this giant wood pile that they're going to burn. Yes, yes. And she goes in to save the baby. It's kind and- of an old
2: modern fable in a sense, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah. That big Fire! They're right, right. Hansel and Gretel. Continue. <laughs> All
0: right, so she goes in, she saves the baby, and ultimately she dies. Well, then she becomes part of Candyman's legend. You know, he says Helen right. five times in the mirror. So yeah, it's it's great. It's it's brilliant. It's genius. Final thoughts. I just want to say two things that we didn't get to say here. Number one, Ted Raimi is the biker boyfriend. Yes, yes! Vegas, yes. Which is hilarious when she says, "Oh, he was a biker." Oh, bad boy. when you
1: gentlemen see him next month, tell him Mad Jans at oh. home.
0: Oh, and then uh, last but not least, the little boy who played Jake, the little boy who helped her through Cabrini Green. Yep, that kid was genius. He was great. He was such a good little actor. And uh, it's in
1: important. Yes. Yeah. Certainly. Supporting cast.
0: Yeah. And yeah. in that that panel I watched with Virginia Madsen, she had nothing but great things to say about that kid, about how sharp she was. And she was just sure he was going to become famous. And where'd just, you watch the panel on YouTube? Um, awesome. And he just kind of disappeared. But like he came in and was like he came in to look at Virginia Madsen's trailer and he's like, How come I don't have a trailer like this? And she was like, Well, one day when you have a lot more work and you're more famous, you'll have a trailer like this. And he says, Can I bring my people in here? <laughs>
2: and he brings in
0: like his friends and family to show him Virginia Madsen's trailer and they all just stayed. <laughs> I love it. I'm digging that. Because he was as that. sharp off screen
1: as he was on screen. That's awesome, dude. Like,
0: I got my own trailer. Those uh, are my last two thoughts.
1: Final thoughts. Up my final thoughts on Candyman is I really enjoyed Candyman. Yeah, I really did. It held up, and especially after whatever I thought of it before, getting to spend time with Tony Todd and talking to him. And guys, this wasn't just once. I mean, we've seen Tony a couple times, but getting to interview him once. But he's he brings everything you want to be in this movie to life. And that's the great thing about it. He talks so passionately about this movie that there's no way he, after talking to him, you can't like this movie. Yeah. Because he enjoyed Especially and loved talking to him in movie. Chicago. Oh yeah, we were in Chicago. And if you guys listen to the interview, Grizz asked him, he was like, Hey man, what about Cabrini Green? You know, like that was the thing. But yeah, yeah that was that's mine, man. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the first movie. Totally. I just said the first movie. <laughs> Professor, uh, final thoughts. I'll try and be brief with this because I know we've
2: stretched this one out, but I just love this damn movie. Yeah, right. Uh, on. One, I love that we see Rusty Schwimmer dealing with the uh, the scene in the cop station. Yeah. yeah. Uh, always nice to see her pop up in there. Um, two, with the ending, I love it that we say Helen five times into the mirror. Yeah. And yep. we deal with her and we see that shit bag dude get his oh yeah nice retribution there at the end. Uh, and, you know, three, I just want to put this out here. I think this is my favorite horror film of the 90s. Um, I, I put Scream up there. I put Cemetery Man up there. There's a handful, but it is a very vacant decade for great horror films. Yeah.
0: And, Cemetery Man, the Italian movie? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Um, there's really not that many.
1: Yeah, in 96's Scream is still going to be mine, but this is this of oh, 90's yeah. horror. Well, this this follows With for
2: me. Scream is a more fun movie. Yeah, but in terms of uh, quality of film made, I think this is my number. Right one. on. Right on. If it's not, it's it's right there. That's the cool, man. I, I mean, so that's a great, that's glad, great glad we covered it.
1: Right on. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Candyman 2 Farewell to the Flesh. All right, Candyman. Farewell to the Flesh. Flesh, not the flish. Not flesh, not the. I, I like flesh, but I'd like it better it's flesh. Anyway, Candyman, farewell to the flesh. Nineteen ninety-five, uh, written by Rand Ravitch and Mark Kruger, with a story by Clive Barker. And I saved this because the director is Bill Condon. If that name sounds familiar to you, I'm going to go through a few things real quick. This is Bill Condon who brought you Gods and Monsters. He brought you Kinsey. He brought you Dreamgirls, and I know some of you hate on it, but he brought you Twilight Breaking Dawn, part one and part two, and recently, this past couple years, this past year, he brought you the critically acclaimed Mr. Holmes, starring Sir Ian McKellen. He directed a Candyman movie, I just want to point this out there, guys, so it doesn't matter who directs these things, man, because this cat went on to have a great career. Okay. You know, for a and biopics. Like I love. I mean, his work is amazing. Um, Reverend Ellis is played by Bill Nunn. Uh, Ethan Tarrant is played by William O'Leary. Both those cats, catsmen are just great character actors. You see them in a lot of things. Annie Tarrant is played by Kelly Rowan, who kind of messed me up because I thought it was Kelly Rowland. Show? When I was reading the credits, I was like, "What?"
0: With some light skinned girls <laughs> and some Kelly rolling, and then
1: uh, we got Tony mom Todd from
2: uh, the OC. We got Tony yeah. Todd. Re- yeah, it is actually,
1: and we got Tony Todd reprising his role as Candyman slash Daniel Robitaille and Veronica Cartwright. Can yeah, go, go ahead. Good. Yeah, she, Alien she's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's
2: Daniel right. Robitessen. Right,
1: but Daniel <laughs> Robitaille. Uh, first off my first thoughts on this Matt channel I like how they reference the first movie but then immediately move on to make it its own movie then new look they talk about Helen real quick in the beginning we've got the same we've got the professor from the first moving on to a new location I love that this three years later
2: this is basically it's like okay at the meeting the director says okay I got it We've got the original Candyman. We're going to do that, okay? That did well. We're going to do that. Don't worry. <laughs> right, right, right. But we're going to make it gorier. Yes. Meets do the right thing. <laughs> yeah. With our DJ narrative. I mean, yeah, that's what it is, basically, in a nutshell. Um, it is m- it's much better than it should have been, I think. Yeah,
1: for a, sequel, for a 90s sequel yeah. to a movie.
2: And there's quite a population of people who prefer this to the original. There's a lot of people really? who love this movie. Yeah.
1: Are you serious? I've never I've never come across those people. Yeah, it's... I know the people that love number three, which we'll get into in a minute, and that pisses me off, but it's yeah, whatever. I'm not down with that.
0: So, yeah, initial thoughts. Um, I want to say that my love for Candyman ends at Candyman 1. Um, I don't hate this movie. Right. Uh, and I think that it's... I'm indifferent to it. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Okay. Um, I don't think it was a terrible movie, but I didn't think it was a great movie. Um, I never plan on watching it again, but if my girlfriend makes me watch it again, I will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like,
1: I don't think anybody's girlfriend would ever make them watch this again, and I know yours, <laughs> so it's not. I don't, I don't see her going, you know what we should watch today? Farewell to the flesh. <laughs> I'll,
0: watch, I'll tell you what, I would watch Candyman 1 annually. I'm okay with that, okay. but I have no desire to watch 2 or for, 3
2: for that matter. For me personally, this kind of bookends with it. I don't think in quality it's quite there as the first one, uh, but I'm I think it that. is damn near as good. Um, uh, simply for this fact, it builds on the the gore that that people wanted from the first one that they didn't get and the backstory that they didn't get.
0: That's what I like about this, because you guys know I'm a big backstory right. guy. And so, so for what that I liked alone, about this movie right. was the backstory. Yeah. Yep.
2: For me, and it's, it was this way before we did the podcast, <coughs> I never watched part three. But I'd seen part one, I don't know how many times at this point. I'd seen <coughs> part two about, I don't know, maybe five times. Yeah. Um, and I so I enjoy part two still a decent amount, just because it always bled over. I wasn't ready to be done when I'd finished Watching part one yeah. to go to the sequel, but that would always be enough. To me, it kind of wraps the story up and ties up kind of once. You all right, dog? No, dog. <laughs> it kind of wraps up angles of, of the first one that are kind of left untied, which is the way it should have been in part one. Right. Um, you couldn't spell out everything, and that's what made part one so good, but that's what makes part two good in the sense of it is a sequel. Yeah. I mean, basing it on a part two, it's good. Yeah, and that's the thing. All right, if you want to talk about rules
0: for a part two, it adds to the story. Right. It um, it adds to the mythos. It adds to the origin. Like, it does everything a part two should. Right. It just, for me at this age, right, I just, just, just watched watch this it. for the first time yeah. last week. So I didn't get it at that young age. And I probably wouldn't have liked it at the young age because I didn't like the first one back yeah. then. But, uh, so, I like I said, I don't have any major problems with this film i just don't have any major love for this film um i want to say it's interesting one one gripe i do have about this movie is that it was set in new orleans which i love new orleans i love a good story set in new orleans um but i feel like new orleans was underutilized it was just kind of background noise they they didn't they didn't use the voodoo history they didn't use much of the french history like they just didn't I feel like the town, for what it had to offer to this story, was underutilized.
1: Dude, there was a lot of Reverend Zombie, the Adam Green fucking character from, yes. the, from the Hatchet series. It just felt like, oh, okay, well, we're in New Orleans. So, it almost felt like Candyman was that byproduct. But I've got a few notes here, I'll read them later. I feel like
0: he should have said, I gotta go tend to my birds.
1: Yeah, right. Well, basically, the one that I have is, um, when I first saw Tony Todd, all I can think of was Holliston get a whole case of Bud Light. And I literally wrote that out because I didn't feel like this was the Candyman. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't know. I mean, like I wrote these notes and I just write notes as they come to mind. And and obviously at that point in time when I was watching this, I was like, man, I wasn't quite there. And something didn't suck me in like the first movie sucked me in. And that's how I kind of see it, man. And uh, one thing that I kind of noted was the Candyman paintings aside, there seems to be a running theme of graffiti that's associated with places where the Candyman's worshipped, where people, you know what I'm saying? like uh, they, They're they like, oh, in all impoverished neighborhoods, graffiti runs rampant. Right. And that kind of bugged me a little bit.
0: You know what I'm saying? Which now, most graffiti artists are privileged white kids, but go ahead.
1: No, and that's the thing. It kind of bugs That's what bugs like
0: cultural, yeah. Gentrification, right? Yeah.
1: So I don't know. There was a lot more going on in this movie that I wasn't on board with right away.
0: Yeah, I love that the mom from the OC is in it. It was babe, total babe. I was total. I was like, I was like, where do I know her from? Where do I know her? And then I was like, it's Kirsten is <laughs> Kirsten Cohen from the OC? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Like, like I was baffled, just baffled. Um, so. Quick synopsis, Um, this family, a New Orleans family, um, she's a teacher, she gets a call that her brother's in some trouble, Mm -hmm. Uh, her brother had just like costed this author, the British guy from the first movie with the awful ponytail, and then he gets killed by the candy man, they think that the brother did it, she's there, her brother's always been in and out of trouble, but her brother is also the one that's connected to the dad's death. Which he thinks was the Candyman, which everyone else thinks he's crazy, except for the mother who knows the deep dark secret, which is spoiler: they're descended from Candyman. Well, what's his real name?
1: Oh, Robitaille.
0: Uh, Robitaille. Danny, Danny, Danny row. No, Daniel. Daniel. Daniel Robotel. Yeah. Robitaub. So they find out that they're actually descended from him, and that's why there's the candyman legend affected. Him. <laughs> See the professor laughing. Uh, I was uh, just thinking about you doing the about thing. There, I right? just scared to say Robotesin again. Um, so that's kind of our story is that is her brother guilty, and then she gets roped in. And what I what I another thing I did like about this movie, she gets roped in before we know that they're that, that they're descended from Danny Robitaille. Oh she gets spoiler. roped in. I just said that. <laughs>
1: That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying. whole show sure. has been a. Spoiler! spoiler.
0: <laughs> it's a Korean film.
1: <laughs> um, hey, look, my copy is <laughs> Korean, bro. <laughs> um,
0: but before we find out that she is descended from Daniel Robotau, we just assume that Candyman is messing with her because she's another cute, short-haired blonde lady. Honestly, that's what I thought in right. the and beginning that's, of that's this, Right, and that's pretty man. smart. It's smart as a sequel because right. it plays on your sympathies from part one. Right. So you think that this is just another Helen for Candyman. He's wanting to claim his next
1: Helen, when really he's saying,
0: "You're my granddaughter.
1: Well, this starts a... In, in, uh, Professor, I know you love these movies, but I, and I'm not trying to be mean or out of line, but... This this really starts like Helen gave us a you look just like yes. the woman. In this movie's it's like no no no. You are my descendant. Yeah. And it's and this is a running theme through all the movies from here on out. Which is really upsetting to me. Because now we're starting bloodlines. Right. And bloodlines half the blood this bloodline is in And I know I'm going to bring it up in the next movie. But this one lines in, pardon me, Louisiana. And she's down there, and the mother, her mother, it kills herself. No, her mother has cancer. Mama has cancer in this one. Dad goes to confront the candy man.
0: And dies. And And dies. The brother is trying
1: to defend dad's honor and goes to confront the candy man or, you know, whatever. And it's like... What the hell is really going on here? Because it seems to me like all this could be avoided if you just, I don't know, didn't fucking chase the Candyman. <laughs> no, and I'm not trying to be mean, but it's but, like, like, as the first movie, it was like, Helen went looking for trouble and found trouble. But it's like, oh, you look just like her, you know? This movie, it's like, oh, no, no, no. When you call upon me, now... We're family. I'm going to come to you and tell you what it is. And we'll talk even more in the next one. But the, it, there's this overwhelming trend where the first one was like a, a almost a happy accident. Like a, what's that guy's name? Bob Ross, the painter from Muncie. Yeah, there's no such thing as mistakes, they're just happy accidents. Right. Where Helen was a happy accident, you kinda right. look like the girl, and now this one's like, No, it was your destiny to be with me. Right. Come join me forever. And he uses the same fucking lines. With me, right, bro. right, right, right. We're gonna live forever in death. Right. And it, I don't know, man. Like this one just seemed it didn't seem as well put together as the first one. Professor, please. No, I agree,
2: but for me, I'm just much more forgiving because it's a sequel. No, um, no, I got you. Yeah, like you could I have you, but I got you. just uh, went no, out. I'm waking up.
0: Can, can I not cut you off, but cut you off real quick? Because to say, me, can I finish? Can I, can I finish? But, but, no. but yeah, I agree with you almost exactly where you're getting ready to start in that if it would have just been another Helen, I'd have thought it was even lamer. Right, you know what I'm so right. I am saying. So I am glad. Oh my it. god,
1: that's a great picture. If you guys are on Instagram, check it out. <laughs> fucking...
0: If it would have, been, if she would have just been another Helen, I'd have been like lame. So at least they were trying something new. Okay, right? okay, for okay, I'll, right. okay. I'll and give so, you and plan. that's
2: where I was just going to say, I am a little bit more forgiving for some of the the inadequacies with the plot and decisions that they made because they are at least trying to, in all directions, enrich in the story, which for the most part they do. Um, by watching part two, even if you decide not to watch part two ever again, as you said, you may just do, it will make part one better. Mm-hmm. And so I applaud them for that because we get to see more explicitly. And I think it is important to see what our character in Candyman went through and why he is the way he is. Yeah. Why, if nothing else, those flashback scenes make wor- part two worth being made and watching. Um, I can't say the same for our third installment, which we'll talk about. But within this one, we have reason for it being of worth. And so for that, I applaud it um, because they could have taken the cheap route. I think, ironically, it may have been a more celebrated film in terms of money and and all of that if they would have just picked another victim in a different city and explained that we target different inner city areas yeah. Well here's and, just the kill- thing. and just tortured one soul and killed people in the process and went on to the next one but we do get that in part three so and that's where i think the standout is important to note for part two even if you don't love the film or even if you don't like it that it at least took more of an effort to kind of build upon the story than the average one does especially Especially in the VHS age, see, and I guess guess my whole thing was cheap sequels pumped out. I mean, we covered them on different episodes, and with this one, there is clearly an effort to add to the story. And so, for that, to me, for listeners, if you're listening to this episode, and for some reason you haven't watched these films, it's worth watching part two, even if just one time. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Oh yeah, totally. But yeah.
1: But I think my thing was and the reason I wanted to, I, w- I tried to cut you off just a second ago and I'm finally getting in. You hate is me. Yeah, it's cause I hate you. Um no man, it's what you said because you said something that really resonated with me was apparently the it's a thing that if you say candyman, anybody says candyman five times in the mirror, the candyman appears or whatever. That's a that's the urban mid the urban legend, the right. myth. But we only follow Helen, who looked like the original woman, and then family. Right. Like, it, they could have so easily just been like, it's some girl or some kid or some anybody who said Candyman who didn't fully believe but was pressured into doing it or something. It just seemed like there was more room there. I understand why they tried to grow on the mythos, but they didn't have to grow with family. Is my one thing, but because not only did we do Family in 2, we do Family in 3. Family just seemed like an easy gateway to make another shitty sequel.
2: Well, I will argue this before we get oh, into Oh, you're it. fine, you're fine. 3 is a rip-off of 2. Oh, definitely, oh, yeah. like straight way. up, straight up.
1: Oh, I have not yet begun
0: to defile <laughs> oh, this series. Right, yeah. right,
1: no, no, and you're fine. So I think that's just my thing. I'm going to go through some notes real quick, because I kind of write down things that I feel. Yep. Um I like feelings (laughs) more with feeling right on. So Virginia matching is supposed to be like his girl reincarnated. So does that mean she's supposed to be his daughter or something, which we find out? Yes. So that was initial thing. I was like, so who's this woman supposed to be? She ends up being family. Oh, she's the great, great. Yeah. Kelly Rowan is the great, great granddaughter. Right. Which I got something to say in the next movie, but... Of, of so Dan, Kelly Rowan Daniel is... Robitussin. Right, is... <laughs> Daniel Robitussin. So Kelly's the great-great-granddaughter of Daniel Roboton. Robitussin. See, you got me fucking saying it wrong. <laughs> Pardon me, guys. Um, His name was Eddie Sudafed. His name <laughs> but was but the one thing I did enjoy about this movie oh, is, sorry. like you said, Grizz, like you, I like that they flesh out the backstory a little bit more. I liked that story, and honestly... I could watch just that story if you were to be like candyman for eighteen whatever whatever, nineteen whatever it was, and you just watch the Daniel Robotov story, yeah, I could watch that because I think that is interesting it was the 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 man and the woman and the torrid affair and how it leads to him becoming a urban legend a a a soul or tortured soul for the ages. I think that's a great story. So I liked how we built on that. I like seeing all the backstory stuff, but man, I don't know. This movie just didn't hit that mark for me. And something that they tried in this movie, which I don't know if you guys picked up on fire was the catalyst at the end in the first movie waters, the catalyst at the end of this movie. Right. So was that a conscious effort? What do you think? I mean, I'm really asking. Because it seemed very abrupt. Like, oh, no, we're burning. And then at this one, it was like, oh, no, the water, the floods are rising. The floodgates are, are, you know what I'm saying? We've got fire. Biblical. Biblical.
0: We've got water. And then I want to know if we can
1: get magnets and how do they work.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, like, it just
1: seemed that they were, because both of those endings were very, the, the fire in the first one was very, this is fire. And the water in this one was very much like, no, 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 she's down here. You know what I'm saying? She's down here. And then Candyman with the water and the almost drowning. It, it was a, it was a, a, a big thing, a big to do. So I'm wondering, was that a conscious effort? What do you think? I don't know. I didn't pick up on that. Do you think they were trying time. to be like that? Cause that was one thing that stood out. And also an interesting thing is to remember this is
2: years before Katrina. That's what I was just going to say. For me, the it's only thing I was thinking of, I hadn't even put together a thought about the fire versus water, which is interesting, right? Uh, I, I just watched way. it and Think thought, "Man, it. this is ominous." I'm watching people drowned right. in New Orleans. How many years before what Katrina before the levee? Right, right, right,
1: right. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Though I hadn't really thought about it. Well, and I was just wondering because that seemed watching the movies back to back because that's what I did. I watched one, two, three, like within a. A day and a half of each other mm-hmm. because i wanted to be fresh for talking about it yeah. so that was one thing that was very prevalent to me was that helen dies in the fire and they had the fire mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this dude's drowning and then in the third movie she has to walk up the mountain of earth the dirt mm-hmm. and i was just like is this a thing you know like and i don't think the earth was as prevalent but right. i'll no, talk no, about I that like in yeah. the next That's film but it one. just seemed like everybody had a different element that they wanted to bring to it literally an element you fire water earth whatever Yeah, fire i water. was really my eyes at the earth. idea no, no, I understand. part no, three I understand. in general not you
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, my my only complaints with part two uh the cgi of the glass cracking is just ridiculous yeah, yeah, with the yeah. arms falling off that was unfortunate for a movie that had managed to maintain its own flavor of atmosphere and been pretty decent in, in that aspect not as good as the first but still pretty decent for a sequel. I thought that just completely killed the mood. That was a complaint I had with it. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I'll, I know. primarily I'll watch this right after I watch part one.
1: See, and, and I know we got to move on. We got to move on real quick, but i got to get one thing from you, brother. The, the mother, the cancer, the, there just seemed to be a lot in this movie that they tried to do. That was just out of place. We didn't need everything that they tried to do in this movie. The brother and who much. he was in jail. Yeah, it was definitely Her, like, and then the mother had cancer. It seemed like everything was a different line. And the mirror that we had to crack to get rid of Tony, like, there just seemed to be a lot in this movie that just didn't need to be there. Right. Like, they tried to do too much to try to bring the story to some kind of ending that I didn't even care about.
0: Well, and that's yeah, the last and point. That's the last thing I want to make to tie into the yeah, part yeah, three yeah. is that we were told that she had to get this mirror. It was yep. Caroline's mirror. We find out that was the name of his lover was yep. Caroline. Yeah, and Caroline's mirror is in the painting, and you see him in Caroline's mirror. Mm-hmm. And if you get the mirror and you crack the mirror, it cracks the curse because that's when you say his name into the mirror. And then uh, they destroy the mirror, and guess what? We get Candyman three.
1: <laughs> yeah. so you want me to move on to Candyman 3 yes. so Candyman 3, Day of the Dead 1999, the year of Prince um, writers were Terry Meyer and Al Septon and the director was Terry Meyer who may I add, wrote Joe Lynch's Wrong Turn 2 I just want to throw that out there, guys. Ooh, nice. That was a nice little thing that I uh I picked up on that. Well, I'm glad um, to bounce back saved movie. his effort for <laughs> Sa- uh, Samuel Kraft was played by Wade Williams. Uh David De La Paz was played by Nick Corey. A hey, a hey, whose real name is Jason Garcia. We know you may know him from I Nightmare did. on Elm Street. Elm Street. I was so happy when I saw him in this movie. Uh Caroline, which you just pointed out, Caroline McKeever is played by Donna D'Erico, who was one year off of the cancellation of Baywatch, and Candyman, again, Daniel Robotod, was played by Tony Todd. Caroline. (laughs) Um, So, So, oh, can I point out one thing real quick? Please do. So, Caroline comes right out in the opening, fuck the opening parts of this movie and states that she is the great, great, great granddaughter of Daniel Robotall. Is she supposed to be the little girl at the end of part two? I think so. Or is she another line that we've yet to discover? Because this movie is four years after part two and she was a young, young girl at the end of part two. Was that just a continuity error or is this another bloodline that we don't know about? So that's just, that's, immediately out the gate, I was like, who the hell is Caroline? I no. think
0: that it is a, it's a poor continuity error. I think she's supposed to be the daughter of, of, uh, Kelly Rowland.
1: Okay. And then see, that's kind of the way oh, I took Rowland. it too. Rowland. Kelly Rowland. No matter what I do. <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Oh, uh, no, no, you're, you're good, man. You're good. So I don't like the inconsistency first off in the Robitaille story. I like the way they set the story up in number one and continued it in part two. And we got to see those flashbacks. And then in part three, they completely fucked that story with tying him to a tree. And he didn't die this way. And they said Candyman five times. It's almost like they didn't watch the movie.
0: Right.
1: It's almost like nobody was like, hey, man, let's pop in part two before we make part three. So that was one thing that messed me up. And then the other thing I say is. When Candyman comes floating in on the cloud of bees like Magneto from the X-Men, I was like, I'm done. I laid back literally and went and got a sandwich. I'm not playing with you. I turned this off and went and got a sandwich and a beer. Sandwich. (laughs) Go
2: ahead. Professor? This movie's crap. Yeah. It's awful. (laughs) Part three is crap. Here, let me boil down to you the most important ingredient on why this movie is junk. The first two films were kind of stood on the legs of our main women in those films right they were smart they were you know what I mean they were crafty right. with the way they went about things and they were survivors and in this one we've got an extension of Baywatch so we, literally Donna
1: D'Erico in this movie is one year out of Baywatch and she runs around the entire movie with no bra on I'm, I'm just being for real with you right. I agree like it was like we've got a leading lady so that's the biggest movie. problem
2: with this film because when you see her character and how it is written for her where we have her walking around in the extra short shorts and the tight tanks
1: with no bra right the whole, the whole you movie. know
2: it's just like that lets the viewer know we don't really
1: care Dude, I'm we don't third. really
2: care about uh, furthering a story we don't really care about a strong female lead like we've had in the first two exactly the only thing in this film that is constant because everything else has been left. Uh, Clyde Barker is no longer a
1: producer involved. Right, right, right. That.
2: The only thing we have is Tony Todd. Tony Todd is still great as Candyman. He and, is continuing his character.
1: And, because, and Tony Todd eventually said that he hated
2: right, and he this still, movie. Yeah, he still spelled out that he was not a fan of this, that it was bad. But he still showed up like a professional, obviously, and did right. his job. He is. He still looks good and does his thing. But this movie sucks. The plotline is not interesting whatsoever. No, because that—that that was my point with part two. Is we furthered the story along enough to where it needed to be, and it just should have stopped there with the bloodline. If you were going to make a Candyman three, it should have just been a slaughter fest. We should have had a new instance in a new urban city. Where we just scare them and And, kill a couple people. And they were trying to give us that with
1: East L.A., but it
2: just didn't come across. Right. And the reason I have no problem being so critical of this film is because clearly the money and the effort is still there. Yeah. Somebody thought that they were smart and continuing it, and the money is put into it. This is not a completely cheap-looking film. Mm -mm. So uh, that's where I kind of look at it on a different scale. It's like, well, you've had these, these first two films that were legit. This first one is great filmmaking. The second one is pretty good by sequel standards. This is pedestrian. And I literally Probably. have nothing else to say about it. I'll let you guys no, close
1: well, it Well you, you make this thing, man. Like When any time a movie relies on dreams or relies on some other worldly thing, dreams of, or premonitions... Like, we, we do that a lot in the horror genre. And that's when you know you're into a shitty sequel. When, like, this woman is having night, having dreams, night terrors, whatever you want to call them, about what's going to happen. And we see Donna Dierico live throughout these things. And it's all throughout the movie. Like, her little white room where the Candyman comes in. She hasn't even seen him yet, but she's been introduced to him in her dreams. We don't know how. We don't know why. The name wasn't said five times. She doesn't do that until later in the film. So that's the kind of shit that messes me up about this movie is it's almost like they were like, okay, look, we're going from here to here. We're going to East L.A. Now, we, we've established that we think, we guys, being the Midwest sponsors, we think this woman is the, this is the daughter of the Kelly Rowan in the last movie. But somehow she has all the paintings. She has access to all this robotile stuff. That we haven't seen yet. All these great paintings that he did as a painter. Which furthers his story along. Of who he is and what he does. But we don't know why or how. And one thing I'm afraid to admit to you guys is. It took me a minute to figure out where the blonde was from. And then I was like, oh shit, that's the blonde from Showgirls. And I hate to admit that I know that. But I know that. And the killings in this movie were horrible. I'm sorry, this is Matt is going through it. like all the killings were horrible in this movie, man. There was nothing like there was no build up, there was no suspense. There was nothing that led me to believe this was a horror movie. like they just happened. yep they show they're all like in flashback, and they happen or she wakes up and Tony Todd kills her roommate, nobody cares. nobody cares who cares. Anything that's going on in this movie. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry, but everything in this movie, was, it just seems like it was phoned in. I want to quote Go ahead.
0: the creepy old man in the movie Gummo, who's looking for his kittens.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, he, he inappropriately touches the uh, Chloe Savini character and her sisters. And he says, nothing new for trash like you. That's what this movie was. <laughs> nothing new for trash like you. This movie was nothing new. It was like they just took right. anything that they could from the first two films and tried to do it again. Especially
2: and, the second.
0: Yes, and like, it's just, it's like Tony movie, Todd, man. like, floating around and, like, saying, <laughs> die with me and yeah. live forever. Well, we have the, and we, and it's we, like, have the Lent. we get it, dude.
2: We have the Lent and Day of the Dead tie-in. You know what I mean? With, like, we've got our different different religious moments and days of the year, and we've got the different city, and we've got the different blonde woman we're going to go after. <laughs> It was painful. painful. It was. It was just a parody of itself. Do, do you want to hear some do, quotes? Die with
0: me.
1: No, we don't. We're running <laughs> no, outside. no. Some things that sorry. I wrote. I got I to gotta throw these out there. I'm so sorry. I'm not even remotely scared of the Candyman in this film. Okay. Like, and that was one thing that was horrible. And the other thing was, he just keeps popping out of everywhere and kissing people. Like, like, no, like, seriously? Did you notice that he kissed every woman in this movie at one point or another? Because except Tony Ta was the executive. No, no, on but this that's one. the thing, though. He didn't like this movie for that reason. There was, tr- he, they tried to be so much more, man. There's a blonde chick rolling through East L.A. with no bra, a wife beater, and nobody's paying attention to her. Welcome and Daisy Duke, like, I don't know, man. There was just so much they tried to do with this movie that was so dumb. I hate this movie. So it's nothing new. I watched There's, it in three parts, man. Go ahead. It's nothing new. There, it just adds nothing
0: to anything. I got you. I'm sorry. Um, uh, the only last things I'll say is that, um, what what's with this painting angle? Now we have all of his paintings? Like, all right, of a sudden we got right, a hold of those right. and we do the paint show. And then it paves the way for Mad Chan, as you remember from The Preacher comic books, the La Enfant du Song. Yes. Those, those jerk-offs in New Orleans. The yes. Cassidy kills their leader right. and then they come back that's exactly what those, those exactly yeah, 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 this song. Yeah. um yeah this movie's awful it's just bad it's just, i just
1: think they they use donna de as a they use her as a point of a point of sale yeah yeah they really did they were like we've got a hot blonde who runs around with no bra and and i like i said i'm a thirty some year old man I would never be like that. Chick need, that chick needs to put on a bra, but no, it's like it's this literal thing. Like sh- that's their point of sale to keep you interested while the boring shit's going on in this movie, and it doesn't work because ho- true horror fans are like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah. But I find it awesomely horrible that McFarlane Toys, all the toy companies, this is the movie that they cite the Candyman from, and the wool let the wool coat. The pimp fucking coat. This is the one that they always want to... Yeah, exactly. This is the, the Candyman that they like to print. They like to make action figures of. They like to do everything. Yep. Is this fucking Candyman? Because he's more svelte. And he's more uppity looking. Like he's got that rich coat on. Right. Like, you know, like he doesn't look like he belongs in Cabrini Green it's or wherever. Exactly, dude. Like, they're uh, taking yeah. Candyman 3 Day of the Dead. And that's every Candyman image you see they didn't make in the dick secondary off the movie
2: so they're gonna make money off the merchandise and so, and so that's so, so that's the thing that's messed that. up about it man yeah it's like so. this
1: is the Candyman they try to push on you and it's the worst fucking adaptation of the Candyman.
2: man of the story is watch one and two
1: yeah i'm with Just, that yeah, i'm ready to let it go drawn to a close here yes. sorry, uh let watch it go. one and two
0: Definitely, yeah, one definitely. is a fantastic film. I look forward to rewatching it again with years to come too. Yeah, I love uh, that. I I may watch again just for the backstory. Um,
2: but if
1: I watch them back to back,
2: yeah, totally. Hey, the fact that anybody wants to watch part one with me, I like that. Yeah, yeah. dude, I'm down uh,
1: with you, man. I got you. I like number one. So, uh, any last thoughts on Candyman? Um, I like the Candyman because of Tony Todd. I don't like the Candyman because of the story. Okay. <laughs> Um,
0: I like the Candyman because of the story in part one and Tony Todd is a stone cold stud.
1: No, he's 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 badass. You so, heard me whack that card. Yep. Watch one and two. Watch right, one I'll
0: and two, it. guys, yeah. Alright, so wrapping it up on the Candyman episode for the Midwest Monsters, I'm one of your hosts,
1: Grizzly Abner, joined by uh, Matt Chan,
2: Professor Wagsap.
0: Alright, dear friends, stay scary. Hello. Hello.